Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, forgotten American patriots and taxpayers to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for our daily town hall meeting. And boy, do we need a meeting. We need a get together today, Wednesday, the 4th of March. We are marching on, marching inexorably to the gates of hell. It was not a very super Tuesday for conservatives. And, you know, the more I think about it, I really wonder if I should just become a Democrat. Um, Everyone seems to love Democrats. I mean, this is probably the only show you will listen today to to today, at least that is not enthralled, enthralled and obsessed with the Democrat primary. I, I guess it's all about the Democrats. Hey, Bernie Biden. Hey, look at Biden. Look at the comeback. From people who call themselves conservatives. To quote Hillary Clinton after Benghazi. What does it matter? <laughs> Whatever she said at that hearing. Who cares? I, 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 I really I'm at a loss of words. I'd like to search for an answer. Why is it that all my colleagues in this industry who call themselves conservatives or call themselves Republicans or whatever that even means? They will never, ever, ever focus on the Republican primaries, the Republican inter-party, intra-party issues and legislative fights that they could actually influence. They will never focus on the Trump White House that they could actually influence. They will exclusively focus on the Democrats, what they can't influence. Now, there is one thing I do want to talk about the Democrat primary with that will tie back into this. But let's talk about the Republican primaries. Really? There were actually Republican primaries? Yeah, believe it or not, there were Republican primaries. Let me break this down for you very simply. Let me let me uh, really just make this very simplistic. There are races throughout the country that are going to occur on almost every Tuesday from now until um, the next number of months. Some of them are first primary elections. Some of them are runoffs. Some of the ones from last night are going to go into runoffs. Now, a lot of times we just have straight up sucky choices and country club Mitt Romney Republicans, as always, because nothing has changed. But there are races that feature Kevin McCarthy versus the Freedom Caucus. Let me make it very simple for you. Kevin McCarthy versus the Freedom Caucus. Which one do you want? Now, look, we could talk about all the failings of the Freedom Caucus and what it is and isn't and has become. But I mean, at least those are officially the 25, 30 members that are willing to join the Freedom Caucus. I mean, if you're not willing to join the Freedom Caucus, that certainly tells me there's no hope for you. But there are very few that are willing to join it. So that at least tells us that you know, there's something to work with. And there are a number of these races. The, the Freedom Caucus has a fund called the Freedom Fund, where like the Club for Growth, they try to recruit and endorse good candidates. In each and every one of them, Kevin McCarthy comes in 
recruits against them. And then he goes to Donald Trump and gets Trump to endorse the swamp every single time. So as I was writing my column today on how the rhinos swept everything last night, the Bushies in Texas swept everything last night. So Trump tweets out this tweet bashing Jeff Sessions. And too many people are making this about Mueller. Oh, well, yeah, he disappointed us. He hurt us with Mueller. But they're missing the bigger picture here. This has nothing to do with it being personal. Because if that were the case, then Trump would endorse against every never Trump or rhino Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell style Republican that said bad things about him or did bad things to him. But he doesn't. Instead, he endorses them against pro-Trump candidates every single time. Orwell could not have written a script like this. So I don't want to hear this garbage. Oh, you know, yeah, well, Sessions disappointed us. It has nothing to do with that. It's nothing to do with that. He only endorses against those who cross him if it's either from the right or they're also disliked by the establishment. But if they're liked by the establishment, he'll endorse them even if they're never Trumpers. So let's go through this, come back to the Alabama Senate race, come back to the opportunities that still lie before us with the runoffs, because remember, a lot of these do go to runoffs if uh, a given candidate didn't meet whatever the threshold is, 40%, 50%, depending on the state. And what I believe to be the solution to all of this, if somehow we could organize our new movement that we're trying to organize at least as a small Facebook group, and ho- hopefully we could grow from there, to get active on, on issues that, that really not just matter in terms of policy, but also in terms of force multipliers of how do we upend the system. So last night, we came into the night with a lot at stake. No, not whether we're going to have Bernie or Biden. That shouldn't matter to any of us. But there were, I don't know, by my count, something like seven open red seats in Texas last night. And then you had a primary challenge against the Rhino incumbent, Kay Granger, in District 12. You had two open seats in Alabama. I mean, like R plus 30, really strong Republican seats. I mean, if you are ever going to anchor, whether they're conservative, MAGA, whatever you want to call it, to to drain the swamp, it's going to have to be in those seats. You had North Carolina as well. And either we've gone backwards or we have a tenuous hold on something and we're going to lose and we have to worry about Trump endorsing the wrong side. So let's start with with Texas. Obviously, Obviously, you had the District 12 race You have Kay Granger, who called on Trump to get out of the race in 2016. She's pro-abortion. She actually, as as, as the the subcommittee chair in charge of border funding, border funding, she put out a press release decrying Trump, uh, quote, tearing apart families at the border. That was her concern. Not all the illegal aliens tearing apart Americans, 
in our country. I mean, the illegal alien crime stories are just crazy up the wazoo. I don't have time to cover them today. But that's not her concern. She is the embodiment of the swamp. She's the embodiment of a country club Republican. She's the embodiment of why we had a GOP controlled House and Senate and did nothing with it but bad things for the first two years. And she's the embodiment of why it will continue to be that way if we don't change it. You know, henceforth. We had a candidate that was able to raise money, put together a campaign, Chris Putnam, Trump supporter. But he couldn't overcome. President Trump's endorsement. That's what I was told. That's what their polling showed. And she wound up winning something like 58, 42%. So the message is very clear to Trump's own base. Drop dead. Drop dead. You will never, ever be able to defeat a swamp incumbent so long as Trump is president. And that's why we're not even recruiting candidates, because they know that no matter how strongly pro-Trump they were. I mean, you could have a guy that bled for Trump. I, I talked about this case from Utah, a guy that endorsed him from day one as part of, you know, a state politician in 2016, worked on his campaign, is working against not just a rhino, but, a, but someone who personally attacked Trump. Again, it's all personal, Daniel, right? Trump is not ideological. It's all personal. Well, not really. It's only personal when it's a conservative. When it's a rhino and Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and Jared Kushner are pushing for them, no, then he'll come in, pull the carpet out from under his reinforcements and endorse the garbage. So that's what you had in District 12. We lost it. How is that for draining the swamp? But again, that is the message that we are now worse off than we were pre-2016. Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell are now stronger than ever because they have Trump as their ally to come in and endorse against Trump's own base. <clears throat> no other host in the phony conservative movement will have the guts to say what I'm saying today. But it's stupid not to say it. It's stupid. It's dumb. Oh, Daniel, I, look, I want to be pro-Trump. No, you idiot. You're being pro-Kevin McCarthy. You're being pro the very impetus for what got Trump elected. It's circular logic to, to, to the nth degree. And it's circular logic in many ways because, let me give you an example. So now Kay Granger could go back to being a rhino like she always was. The same way, guess who else won last night? In North Carolina, <clears throat> Tom Tillis, the pro-criminal, K Street, open borders, rhino, pushing a mass amnesty. Now, what was the big observation any conservative should take out from the Democrat primary last night? This is the only thing we should care about. That if you look, Biden had obviously had a very good night, but he actually would have put the nomination away except for one factor, and that is the immigrant vote. And look, we are all for immigrants that assimilate and that come in in the right way. 
But A, so many of the legal immigrants are actually illegals that finagle themselves into status, especially in, in Texas and, and particularly California. But that's how Bernie was able to remain competitive in Texas. That's how Bernie was able to win California and Colorado. And frankly, even in states like Tennessee and, and particularly North Carolina. See, right now, we're still at the stage where a lot of them, it's new and a lot of them aren't naturalized citizens yet. You wait another decade and a massive percentage of the Democrat electorate in some of those states will be Hispanic, just like in Texas. And the establishment of the Democrats, not that I care, but they will not be able to control the alt-right, alt-left uh, candidates because the Hispanic voting base and the, the ones that vote in large numbers will always vote for the alt-left candidate. That, that's really where Bernie's entire support is coming from now. Again, because those are the type of candidates that they're used to in their home countries. So here you have Tom Tillis chases away a primary challenger because he gets Trump's endorsement and Trump tweets out strong on border. This guy pushes a mass amnesty and here's the irony. See, the same reason why these guys, why a Joe Biden in the future won't be able to win a primary is the same reason why Republicans won't be able to win a general election anymore. Why North Carolina will become what Virginia became because of Tom Tillis. So, you know, I had to hear all this stuff during the presidential primary in 2016, 2015. Oh, Daniel, you don't understand. Look, there might be things with Trump, but look, immigration is everything. I don't want to hear about anything. That's all that matters, Daniel. Mind you, I had to be lectured to when I freaking wrote a book on that and wrote more columns explaining that than anyone else alive. But, um... All right, so it's all about immigration. So now he's endorsing the very Republicans that are co-signing us to this future of electoral just hell. And then even when they push, push the legislation, he doesn't threaten to veto it. And everyone up until his son-in-law, advisors, chief of staff, vice president, agricultural secretary are all pushing it. I mean, we got to change course here, guys. We got to stop this. Oh, I got my hot take. Do, 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 do. Rush Limbaugh. Okay. You know, he's going to come on the air today. Ha ha, Bernie, Bernie. Ha ha ha. I mean, Rush could shut this down tomorrow. He could shut down Kevin McCarthy's thing tomorrow. It's all over the country. Believe me, I spoke to someone who today who would. Definitely know about this. Be in the know. And I will tell you, throughout the country, even if there's no like alternative, let's say the Freedom Caucus gets a candidate, McCarthy will come in there to recruit against the guy. So the only one who came out ahead last night was this Linda Bennett, who was running to replace Mark Meadows in Western uh, North Carolina. But there's going to be a runoff there. And, you know, I heard Kevin McCarthy came in there and tried to pound away at her. The only reason why she came out ahead was because Mark Meadows has such regard and he personally endorsed her. So that was enough. 
But if not for that, they would have gotten Trump endorsed against Meadows. So that's that. And then you just you just go everywhere. There's not a single Chip Roy, a, a single star. You have seven open seats in Texas and we can't win a single one. Garbage up and down. I'm not going to go through all the races, but you have Texas 11 this August Fluger. Trump endorsed the guy. It's a Kevin McCarthy recruit against better candidates. The guy did so well, he got 52% avoided, avoided a runoff altogether. That's the power of a Trump endorsement. And can you imagine? Imagine if we had the opposite. Imagine if, like, this is what I don't understand. Trump likes Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan, right? He's friends with them. Well, Trump, do you want more allies like Mark and Jim? Or do you want more Kevin McCarthy's? It's that simple. He's endorsing against their candidates. But could you imagine if he would endorse our candidates? Could you imagine how many people would be emboldened to run for that agenda? That's part of the problem. There's no way to defeat these guys. They have the name ID. They have the party apparatus. They have all the money precisely because they're a bunch of parasitic whores that get money from the open borders lobby, the healthcare cartel. All this stuff. And by the way, I'm just really in a bad mood about the healthcare stuff. My dad has sciatica. And he literally can't find a doctor. He, you know, he was one of those that just was very stubborn would never want to go to a doctor, so he didn't even have a primary care physician. And in my area, he can't find one. There's such a doctor shortage because government screwed it up with this whole insurance business. See, this is what people don't realize. We're always like, oh, I don't want Bernie. I don't want socialism in America. We already have 90% socialism. We have shortages. What do you think Obamacare was? What, now we're suddenly pro-Obamacare in order to block the next iteration? But then these are the type of Republicans we're electing. Believe in everything except for the most extreme tranche of what the Democrats want to do next until they do it. And then they believe in that until the next thing. Overton window moves and moves and moves. Every single one. We don't have a single good candidate in Texas. Prove me wrong. Just a bunch of drones. Pete Sessions, he won his runoff. He was another open borders whore when he was a rules committee chairman. Now he's running to reclaim his seat. Just up and down the list. No one good. A bunch of Bushies won everywhere. Now, luckily, Pierce Bush himself lost in Texas 22. But all the Carl Rove type of people won. No one good. Then you move on to Alabama. So let's start with the house. Two solid seats. I mean, if you're ever going to have great guys, it's going to be from here. Now, look, I haven't, I haven't spent that much time on these races. But this is where runoffs are going to matter. Like when it comes to Texas, look, I'll try to investigate more. And if you guys you know, have any insights, you can email me, dharowitz at blazemedia.com. This is one of the things I want to do with the Facebook group so we could network. If there are significant differences in runoffs in Texas, we could look at them. The problem is a lot of them are just terrible. But there are differences in Alabama. So the one bright spot was in District 1. This is Mobile in the southwest part of the state. 
Bill Hightower, one good candidate, made it into the runoff. But Jerry Carl got the number one slot. Utter puke. You go on to District 2, and this guy Jeff Coleman crushed the field. He got like 20 points higher than the next person. He is going to be in a runoff. Jeff Coleman, this is a guy just, just total lobbyist puke type. He's outspent every single person by 10 to 1 in the race. That's who's always going to win. But 99 out of 100 times, that guy is going to be the worst guy because how do you think he has access to all those special interests? And then, of course, if we get the rare self-funder who is a good guy, they'll bring in Trump to endorse against the guy. Now, it looks like this guy, Barry Moore, is going to get the second slot, although it's close with someone else. I I, I can't vouch for him, but I hear he's definitely better than this Coleman puke. So we'll we'll look into that. That's a little bit in the further to the east than the southeastern part of the state. Obviously, some of the other Republicans were running unopposed. Most of them a bunch of pukes. Um, nothing going on there. Which leads us to the Senate race. Um, Tommy Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville, so he wound up eking out uh, Sessions by one point. He got 32%. Sessions got 21 per, uh, 31%. Um, they both head to a runoff. So we're going to have three very bold contrasts, some, more, some bolder than others, in Alabama. Are you with the masters of the universe that want to flood the country with endless cheap labor and amnesty and open borders and all of its social ills. And while you're at it, turn the Republicans into the ash heap of history because they won't be able to win. Or do you want people who will fight that? That's Jeff Sessions v. Tommy Tuberville. That's Bill Hightower versus Jerry Carl in District 1. And that's whoever winds up challenging that puke, Jeff Coleman, in District 2. Why am I the only one focusing on this? So some will be like, oh, screw Jeff Sessions. Look, you'd be stupid. If you want to say you feel he was weak and made a mistake, that's fine. I mean, I believe it was a tragedy that how this whole thing came about. I wish he would have been appointed DHS secretary. We would have had so many better things on immigration. We wouldn't have had this problem. But let me just start off from one end of the spectrum. So someone want to say, oh, he's just like a he's just an anti-Trump tool. Okay, if you were an anti-Trump tool, like you could say he's weak, but but let's say the anti-Trump tool thing. This was a man who was the only senator to endorse Trump, the only one. You know, he was friends with Ted Cruz. Cruz was running. It was a big deal that he decided, no, I care so much about the sovereignty of America. He trusted what Trump was saying. He really did it for selfless reasons. That after so many years, he finally found someone, you know, his aide, Stephen Miller, wound up working for him and he endorsed him. And it gave him a tremendous amount of juice headed into Super Tuesday. He did it. People forget that. They remember, oh, look, you know, you know, like as if the world started with Sessions appointment to attorney general. and oh, he betrayed Trump. Well, 
let's not forget what he did for Trump, okay? He was the only senator who would endorse the man. Now, obviously, as attorney general, what I always said, I think his calculus was, is he always knew and thought that the whole Russia thing was bogus and stupid and wouldn't go anywhere. So he figured rather than them just saying it was an inside job, look, I'll recuse myself. Now, that wasn't a bad calculus. Remember, part of what screwed Trump was, as always, himself, giving that interview with Lester Holt. That's really what spawned the whole thing. And then there was the number two guy who was appointed by Trump and confirmed by the Senate, Rod Rosenstein. So, like, if we're somehow going to criticize, all of a sudden we're going to get religious about, oh, bad Trump appointees or deep state sandbagging Trump when it comes to Sessions. But part of the problem was everyone else in the administration was a problem, starting with Rod Rosenstein. He was terrific on everything else, crime, religious liberty. He was starting to fight judicial supremacy. And of course, of course, every aspect of immigration. There is Sessions has the best vision for sovereignty of anyone of this generation. So even if you take the most pessimistic view on what he did, which is fine, but they're running for Senate and you have him versus Tuberville. Tuberville is running in a primary in the state of Alabama, which is typically when even if you're an open borders rhino, you try to be as good as you can on immigration. Instead, he's like, these people come over the border for jobs. We need them. And he hired Rob Jesmer to run it to, to, to run ads for his campaign. Rob Jesmer was the guy who ran the gang of eight ads for FWD forward. That was Zuckerberg's Republican pro amnesty group. You can't get a greater contrast than that. Tuberville is the quintessential Type of guy, I don't care, he's oh, a football coach, but the cheap labor guy, I mean, everything. He's going to be Mitch McConnell's butt boy from day one with this stuff. We don't have a voice for victims of illegal aliens, victims of crime. You know, I noted how during this entire border crisis, there was not a single senator holding press conferences. Remember, Sessions wasn't just a vote. He was a voice. He put out reams of information on immigration. He defeated the Gang of Eight. That's what we need. You'd be stupid going forward. You could say it was a mistake appointing him attorney general. It was a mistake what he did. The whole thing was a travesty. I wish he would have never even endorsed Trump. Just stay in the Senate. We would have had his leadership. But he's coming back. And look, there's one thing if you're really upset with him and you have another guy who is solid on our issues but isn't Sessions, you're like, I want to back him. Fine. But Tuberville? Oh, Trump didn't endorse it. He just bashed Sessions. Give me a break. It's going to a runoff. There's only two of them. He knows Tuberville is going to use that in all the ads. That is tantamount to endorsing Tuberville. Now, <coughs> now, the only saving grace is there was a close third candidate who was a congressman, Bradley Byrne, another puke. He's from the mobile Alabama area, the southwestern part of the state. That was his congressional district. So he, he divided Sessions' vote. If you look in that area... Sessions came in a close second in many of those counties and Tuberville was a distant third. So that is something. But again, you know, you can't beat Trump's endorsement. And if Trump dumps on Sessions, Tuberville will win. Why is it that Trump only wakes up to personal 
vendettas when it comes to endorsing the people that McCarthy and McConnell want. That's what I'd like to know. Don't sit and make this about Mueller. Because then you need to answer my questions on every damn other race where this guy is endorsing one rhino, one never Trumper after another against people who bled for his campaign. I'm sick of this. Oh, he was a weak. Sessions was weak with Trump. Okay, fine, fine. Do you know who was very strong with Trump? Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows. They, they, they gave their whole being to Trump for the last three years, okay? He's endorsing candidates against the ones that they're recruiting for, for the Freedom Caucus. How's that for draining the swamp? It doesn't have to be this way. Doesn't have to be this way. Couple of the big phony conservative voices in this movement. One phone call to the president. One public show like, you know, even a decaf version of what I'm putting out. It would stop him in his tracks. But here's the rule. If McCarthy is pushing him in one direction and nobody is pushing him in the other direction, whether it's policy priorities, whether it's personnel choices, and whether it's endorsements, he will go with the swamp and he will empower the swamp like nobody before him because he has such regard among Republican voters. That is the real story of Super Tuesday. That is the story you will not hear anywhere else. Meanwhile, as I'm watching the news recording here, <clears throat> I see Kim Kardashian tweets out White House. Here we come a picture of her and Ivanka and that wretched cocaine trafficker, whatever that thinks she did nothing wrong. And the laws are the problem, not what she did wrong, killing people with cocaine and God knows what else. Folks, don't doubt me here. <laughs> the, the, the realm of outcomes with Trump are very, very vast and divergent. If we. Gather a movement and stay focused. You can get him off of doing bad things and get him to do good things. If not, boy, you could do thing, bad things really bigly. Worse than the establishment. I mean, you could do the swamp and the establishment really bigly. I mean, everything's big with Trump. So if he decides to go establishment and pro-criminal, pro-amnesty, well, he'll do it better than anyone else. You got to stay focused. What, what, what am I supposed to do? Talk about Biden and, and, and Bernie all day? I mean, I mean, do you want me to ignore this? Should I lie about it? Should I make stuff up? But anyway, here's the solution. Well, first of all, we need to be focused. But, you know, those of you who are veterans of our program here, you know that I've pushed for a long time that absent the creation of a second party, aside from the unibrow, we need to work within the states, whether it's the laws, it's really more just party rules to convert primaries to state conventions like, like Utah used to have before the establishment successfully gutted it. And the reason they gutted it is the very reason I want it. Our, our founders wanted a republic, not a democracy. And the idea was with the electoral college that you filter your vote through someone. Right, all things equal, it sounds like, you know, what do you mean? I don't want the elites to decide. I want let let the people decide. But the founders knew that letting the people decide directly means letting the elites decide. 
Because who has the money and the wherewithal to do this? The swamp. Whereas, if you go to a convention where it's the activists, they know exactly who you are. So all your million dollars of lying ads from the industries to say how you're against the industries and how you're tough on immigration when you're weak on it, don't fly with them. Now, you're not going to win all the time. They could game out conventions. But whereas with primaries, we almost never win. With conventions, you, you at least have a fighting chance. Remember, folks, all these people, I mean, everyone is woke about Mitt Romney now. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Suddenly, all these Teletubbies, phony MAGA people, phony conservative media, oh, they're really upset because they, they only know about something if it comes across the media narrative. Oh, Romney voted, against, uh, voted for impeachment. Great, great. You, you finally discovered America. I wish you would have joined me when we had an opportunity to preempt his candidacy. But guess what? There was a challenger named Mike Kennedy who served in the legislature. Do you know that Mike Kennedy defeated Romney in the convention? We would have had a conservative rather than Mitt Romney in that seat. Now, what happened was at that point, they had already gutted the convention where basically it's not final. You could, even if you win the convention, you, you could get signatures and circumvent it and go to a primary, which is what Romney did and the rest was history. But that's a perfect example. How many people in Utah heard of a state legislator named Mike Kennedy? Well, not many. How many people heard of Mitt Romney? 100%. Um, how much money did Romney have? Unlimited. How much money did Mike Kennedy have? Not much. Well, do you think Romney was going to run ads saying, Trump sucks, I'm going to vote to impeach Trump. Um, I love open borders. I'm Mitt Romney and I approve this ad. No, they run on our issues. This, this has always been the problem. And this is what has played out every night. Imagine in a state like Texas, if you had a convention how many more better House members we can get? Imagine in North Carolina if you had a convention. And also, it would be, see, right now, why, let's say you're a Mark Meadows, a Jim Jordan, meaning you're an up-and-coming House member, which is the, you know, best guy to recruit against the Senate candidate. You're not a nobody. Why would you destroy your career on a suicide mission? But if you would have a convention in North Carolina, heck, easily Meadows would have run for, for Senate. You would have a convention in Ohio. Rather than getting a guy like Rob Portman, you would easily get Jim Jordan to run. So on and so forth. You would have a convention in Arizona. You could get someone like Paul Gosar or Andy Biggs instead of Martha McSally. That's another cute thing. Endorses Mar Martha McSally, even though she lost, but won't endorse Kobach in Kansas. Yeah, real nice. This is one of the things I want to do with this Coalition for Forgotten Americans, because that's how the Forgotten Americans could bypass what Jeff Sessions calls the Masters of the Universe at a convention, and all your lying ads don't mean anything there. This is what we need to push state by state. It is the single biggest force multiplying idea that I have inside the system. Ultimately, we need to work outside the system. But this is something I do want to help organize in the coming days. Do we really care about what we say? Or is this all a money-making machine?
That's the question I have to my counterparts in this industry. Those of you who are going to spend 100% of your focus on what you can influence, what matters not, what's irrelevant at the expense of what is very relevant, of what you could actually influence, use your in with Trump. Are you going to do it or not? And I think we know the answer to that. I just want to close with one point, going back to the Democrat primary. Um, it's truly amazing to behold. If you look at the Super Tuesday states, how much immigration has influenced things. So you look at uh, California, John Binder of Breitbart put out an excellent piece taking the latest Pew research data. And I have my own piece on this from a while ago. We don't have time to delve through it. But you, for the, again, for the same reason why they all vote for Bernie Sanders in the primaries, the same reason why in a general election we're screwed at the current trajectory. So um, there are about 5.5 million foreign-born voters eligible to vote in California, 21% of the total electorate. And, and again, you know, so many of them came from illegal aliens in a state like California. Um, you know, that's the story of Orange County. Orange County was the breadbasket of Republican politics under Reagan. According to the census, something like 45% of the county speaks a language other than English at home. That's why Orange County is gone. You look at Virginia, but also you look at North Carolina and then Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is really changing. The state's foreign-born population was once less than 60,000. It's grown 500% over the last few decades. Refugee resettlement, UACs. You look at the greater Nashville area, among others. Believe me, they will get every state. They will get every state. Orwell could not have scripted a narrative of what has happened with this MAGA movement. I guess in many ways, I'm like Boxer, you know, <laughs> just uh, trying to fight the revolution. And, and look, I, some of you on Twitter, and I really resent this, I'm just going to say this. I'm like, Daniel, are you stupid? You really thought Trump was going to fight for us? Like, huh? Like, Dude, you know exactly what I believe, okay? You could go back to my shows in 2015 and whatever, and if I wanted to be obnoxious and like everyone else and all be about myself, I would just play clips of myself literally saying exactly what would happen, which did happen, exactly the way it happened, and congratulate myself on how smart I am. But I'm trying to be productive. We live in the world we live in, and I care about the country, and there are opportunities and pitfalls with this president. And I want to avoid the pitfalls and actualize all the opportunities we have. It is what it is. Now, after this election, yeah, we're going to have to talk about where we go from here. There's not much I can, I can do about the reality we're dealt. I try to deal with as many issues and strategies as I can. I mean, for me to just say, like, wash my hands and say, hey, I predicted he'd sell us out. And here it is, you know. Look, I'm trying to make a difference. 
I, th I think that's the better route to go. But believe me, yeah, I see exactly what's happening. But again, he's not, it's not like he's a total con man that 100% wants amnesty, 100% wants Kevin McCarthy's candidates. My point is, what we learned from the whole Kim Kardashian thing and the whole jailbreak thing is that because we have a comatose conservative movement where there is no direction, there is nobody prodding, encouraging, pressuring, even often just backing the president where he on his own is pushing good issues. They're focused on stupidity. You know, like even it's not like Trump is not doing any good. He's doing some good things and, you know, on immigration and other issues. But rather than focusing on that, it's all Bernie and Biden all day. So guess what happens? The bad guys get to him. He doesn't see any equal and opposing force on the other side. Well, you know, the laws of physics, the laws of motion, you know where he's going to go. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying that's the reality. He is not going to lead where those who are trusted with being the so-called conservative leaders themselves are not leading. Might be a tough pill to swallow, but um, but it but it's a pill we got to take nonetheless. There's one issue I forgot to get to that is very good. I want to end off with some good news here. There's one good good piece of news from last night. Um, you know, as you're watching Kim Kardashian and Trump and so-called conservatives just promote liberalism, you have Democrat prosecutors that are fighting Soros prosecutors that are actually to the right of, of, of these guys on crime. A big race last, last night, the L.A. County DA's race, Jackie Lacey, she was elected as the first African-American DA of, of L.A. County. All the jailbreak people thought she would be on their side because, you know, they have this insulting view that somehow if you're black, you have to be pro-criminal when in fact, obviously pro-criminal policies harm African-Americans more than anyone else. So this guy, George Gascon, who was the former San Francisco DA, decided to take his roadshow down to LA and say, hey, let's make LA as feces and crime-filled as San Francisco. So he challenged her with the support of Soros. There was another public defender type, Rachel Rossi, who ran as well. It looks like um, Lacey is going to avoid a runoff and get 50%. And I want to share with you an interesting poll done last week by KFI, uh, LA's largest uh, uh, radio station, they asked whether voters prefer a tough-on-crime DA or one who focuses on police accountability um, for excessive force. Voters chose tough-on-crime, 53 to 22. They were asked whether, whether they prefer tough-on-crime to racial justice policies. 50% chose tough-on-crime. 29% chose racial justice. Remember, these are L.A. County voters. This is a county that Hillary Clinton carried 72 to 22. And yet the voters, majority of the voters in this county are to the right of Sean Hannity, of TPPF, of the Heritage Foundation, all the cokeheads in the White House that Trump said he didn't want there. Imagine if we had a party running on that issue. I'll leave it there, folks. You can contact me at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at armconservative. Again, I'll update you guys on the progress of this Facebook page where we could all network together and just, just get the truth out.
That's the problem. We're not even talking about the right stories, much less offering the right perspective on them. We need to get in the president's face. And in the long run, we need to build a movement that is actually a revitalized second party, raising a banner of no pale pastels but bold colors on the issues that trouble our people. That's about it, folks. I'm sorry if this is too heavy, but I think you'd rather hear the truth than a bunch of Teletubby lies. So we'll try to mix things up. We're going to try to get involved in some of these runoffs, try to have some of the candidates on. Again, I'm actually trying to fulfill the MAGA mandate rather than talk about it. We need MAGA, but without the BS. Till tomorrow, thank you all for listening.